Good evening, everyone. All right, trust you had a great day. Okay, so tonight we're going further in our discourse on how to get anything you want. How to get anything you want. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21 to 23, which is our text for this series, Romans 8 and verse 32, the Bible says, He that speared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He says, How shall lead not with him also? Somebody say also. He says, How shall lead not with him also freely give us all things? It simply means God does not take something from you before he gives you another. That's why he says, How shall lead not with him also freely give us all things? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, it says, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 24. The Bible says, The fear of the wicked they shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. That's a blank check. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. The Bible says, it says, God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Sometimes years back, you know, growing up in a very religious circle, one of the things that we were made to erroneously believe was that your desire will not always be in alignment with God's plan for your life. <laughs> you know, so most times when we hear about the will of God, it's usually with, you know, that tilt, that bent is always there. That, you know, your desire submitted to the will of God, which is correct. But it has been said in a way that that thing you desire, if it's too good, that can be God's plan for you. But here the Bible says that the desire... Not just of anybody. It says the desire of the righteous shall be granted. And I've told us a couple of times that anytime you see the word the righteous being mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about two things. Number one, we need to understand that righteousness has two parts. Number one, there is right standing. And number two, there is right doing. There is right standing and there is right doing. For instance, you see in Psalms 5 and verse 12 what the Bible says that you know, um, it says with favor, it will surround the righteous as with a shield. It says the Lord will bless the righteous and with favor, it will surround him as with a shield. But you need to understand that there is nothing you and I can do that will qualify us to be in right standing with God. That's why the Bible says that even our righteousness is like filthy rags. So, our righteousness was imputed to us as a result of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. So it is not what we do in a sense that makes us have the right standing with God. It is what Jesus did. However, when you have an accurate understanding of what Christ has done for you, the Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. It inspires you to live right. That's why Apostle Paul in writing to the church, I think in Galatians, he says, shall we continue in sin and say grace you abound? He said, God forbid. 
So when the Bible is saying that the desire of the righteous shall be granted, it's talking about two things. Number one, the one that has a right standing with God. And number two, the man that is conscious and is desirous of living in right standing with God. For instance, you can't say, oh, I'm already in right standing with God, so how I live my life does not matter. Since the Bible already says that my desire will be granted. You see, it does not matter how I live. It does matter to God. Because you need to understand that one of the things that happens when you have an accurate understanding of what Christ did for you is that it even inspires you to please God the more. That's why the message of grace being propagated in this age and time is a demonic ideology. It's not biblical. Because of the truth when you understand grace, what it does is it makes you realize your shortcoming and to embrace what Christ has made available for you, provoking you to live right. So when the Bible says that the desires of the righteous shall be granted, I want you to pay attention to the fact that it didn't say the desire of everyone will be granted. It says the desire of the righteous. It simply means that you and I, we must consistently walk at living righteously. That's why Apostle Paul, in writing to one of the churches, it says that they should consistently work out their own salvation. We are all on a journey. Nobody is in a state of perfection. But you can't say, oh, because I'm imperfect, then let me continue in my state of imperfection. No, we must consistently strive to get better and to become better. I came across some statistics a couple of you know years ago and one of the things that was discovered is that only 25 percent of people achieve their goals and their desires every year 25 percent and i believe that has a biblical agreement because the bible says that the sower went to sow the seed the Bible says that some fell, you know, among thorns, some fell by the wayside. It says some fell on, you know, stony ground and another fell on good ground. So it talks about four categories of people, 25%. And you say, having this understanding years ago made me to realize, you see, I've seen a, a, a couple of pastors who get worked up when they see some of the things they are teaching, when it does not reflect in the lives of people. I used to be like that too until I had this understanding from the parable that even the sower only got 25%. So if 25% of people put to practice what they hear, you have succeeded. And even among the 25, the result will not be equal. Because the Bible says on that good ground, you see, it said that some brought forth 30-fold, another 60-fold, another 100-fold. Because many were here, just like the Bible says, ever learning but never doing. Some people will hear, hear, and hear. They will never take a step. Even if you have to crack open the skull, put everything there, and close it back, they will still not do it. Because somewhere at the back of their mind, they believe that, you know, for some people, it's like, it cannot be that simple. For some people, it's like, no, 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 no. there is something else they are not telling us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you with me tonight? So the question is, are you going to be part of the 25%? Because it does not just happen by prayer, it happens by decision. And one of the decisions you must make is every time I hear something being taught, every time I see something in God's word, I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to make it my lifestyle. They say that only three out of four people will succeed exceptionally in life and the marketplace. Isn't that amazing? Three out of every four will succeed exceptionally. So it simply means that if you have three friends, you being the fourth person, among the four of you, <laughs> only
only one of you will succeed exceptionally. Praise the Lord. Not that the others do not succeed, but it's exceptionally. That is, the people that will break into mainstream achievement. So we said on Sunday that the, big, uh, uh, the basic truth you and I need to know and to note is that nothing is beyond our reach if we will reach out for it. As a child of God, nothing is beyond your reach if you will dare to reach out for it. Because in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, not who is planning to bless us. He says he has already blessed us with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And number two, we said as a child of God, the resources of heaven is at our disposal. Is at our disposal because when God made man, man opened his eyes into abundance. Man was not trying to figure out what to eat. He was not trying to figure out things. God already made everything that he was ever going to need available. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said that if the birds of the air, if they are taken care of, how much more will your heavenly father not take care of you? Even God, he was so detailed in his plan for the birds of the air. Birds of the air, they don't beg for food. So why should a child of God be in that position? Next, we said that you should ensure that your desires are born out of a pure conscience and they are aligned with God's desires for your life. Ensure your desires are born out of a pure conscience. 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 Very critical. That's why I love that scripture so much that I quoted earlier. The desires of the righteous shall be granted. Because when righteousness becomes a lifestyle, it affects your desires. It affects your desires. The more you grow in the things of the spirit, the more you mature in the things of the spirit, right? The more it influences your desires. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It says, but I have come that you may have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. I think that should be the message or maybe the NLT version. It says, I came so that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Let me tell you this. God wants us to have the best in life. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? There is no responsible father that makes, you know, provision for the children of his enemies without considering his own children. Have you ever seen any sane father do that? No. And if we have human fathers, earthly fathers who are responsible, God is much more responsible. It's much more responsible. So we said the practical steps to getting what you want. Number one is kingdom prioritization. Kingdom prioritization. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. The Bible says you must seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. It says and every other thing will be added unto us. God wants you to leave the era of running after things. He wants you and I to be in that state of life where we attract things. One of the things that blessed my life the most many years ago was when I heard almost 20 years ago now from my pastor. I'd never heard that before. 
all the concepts I understood about success is that a man must strive, you know, you must struggle, you know, also to, you know, rise in life. But for the first time I had my pastor say over 20 years ago, and he just stuck in my head. He says, success is not what you pursue. It is what you attract as a result of who you become. Success is not what you pursue. And we'll see that in Matthew 6, 33. He says, when you seek for the kingdom of God, he says, all these things, all simply means all. Whatever you may desire, whatever you may long for, he says, all these things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. Not that you will be following after them. All the days of your life, the Bible says. So you and I need to understand that when we put God first, which we lay a strong foundation, you know, we, we lay that strong foundation on Sunday. When you make God's kingdom first, every other thing, and you put other things in place, you will be sorted out. But as a believer, we must understand that that is our priority. The kingdom is our priority. The kingdom is our priority. Fordering God's agenda on the earth is our priority. It is our priority. Let me tell you this, there are things that if we don't do as God's people, it will never get done. Because God has not given that responsibility to someone else. And we said that the things that are important to God, when we're talking about kingdom prioritization, it simply means making uh, uh, the things that are important to God important to us. And we said the things that are important to God is number one, the salvation of souls of men. God is concerned about the salvation of souls. The Bible says it does not want any to perish. It wants all to be saved. That's why one of the departing words of Jesus in Mark 16 and verse 15 was that going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 to 4. The Bible says this is what is good and acceptable in the sight of God as Savior. He desires that all men to be saved. Did you see that? It says he desires. That's God's own desire. That all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. All should be saved. Not that most should be saved, but that all should be saved. I can't remember who said it, but, you know, it blessed me. He said, no one has a right to hear about Jesus twice until everybody has had him at least once. Some of us, we have overheard Jesus. <laughs> and there are people that have not heard him because not everybody is playing their role. Not everybody is playing their role. And as a believer, you must understand, it is not the responsibility of pastors because there are even pastors that are not passionate about souls. There are pastors that all they are passionate about is money. How to prophesy money out of people's pockets. That's what they are passionate about. Praise the Lord. You must have a... See, let me tell you this. Until you get to that point where what is important to God becomes important to you, there are certain heights you will never get to. You may achieve certain things, let me tell you this, but it will be by your own energy. God wants you and I to get to a level whereby even you, you will not be able to explain your level of success it shouldn't be by struggle it shouldn't be by struggle the second thing that is important to god is that for all to be established in the knowledge of the truth of his word in that same passage of scripture it says that all men may be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth it is not enough for somebody to be saved after they have gotten saved they must know the truth they must know the truth that's why sometimes it seems as if some people are not saved because their experiences are not even different from that of a non-believer simply because they have no knowledge of the truth of God's word. 
Number three, we said the expansion of God's kingdom through his church on the earth. The expansion of God's kingdom on the church, um, uh, uh, on the earth through his church. Through his church. God wants his kingdom to expand. He wants his kingdom to expand. And he will do that through you and I. He will do that through us. You know, I want to show us a scripture in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 1. Then we'll jump to verse 19. Because in case someone is still in this house and sometimes you you don't even have an understanding why should the church be excellent why should the church look so good why should things be you know done you know you know i I don't believe in extravagance right but i believe in excellence i believe the church should be one of the most desired you know construction or structure on the earth i believe it and where did i get the ideology from from the scriptures the Bible says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the what? For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. See how David described the temple that was about to be built. He didn't call it a house, he called it a palace. And for you to know that it's not an error, go to verse 19. He repeated the same thing. Verse 19, he said, and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart. This was David praying to God. He said, keep, to keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, and to do all these things. And to build what? The palace. palace. He wasn't talking about the palace of the king. He was talking about the temple. He says, and to build the palace for that which I have made provision. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 2 and verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 5. 2nd Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 5. Can we read it together? One to go. And the house which I build is what? Is great. For what? Great is our God above all gods. The house of God is meant to be great. Why? Because you are building it for a great God. You know, when you want to give something to a man, you first consider the size of the man. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that, when you want to give something, you have to think well. Because of their stature. If you don't know people like that, may God bring them into your life. I'm not saying amen. amen. Oh. <laughs> you will get there. Don't worry. We are praying for you and the prayer must be answered. So David is saying here, you know, that the house must be great. Why? Because it is being built for a great God. Hallelujah. So number two step to getting anything you want is you need to be sure what you want is God's will for you. I want you to write that down. I mentioned it on Sunday and I said this is where we're going to be starting from. Be sure what you want is God's will for you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Can we read together one to go? Wherefore, don't be unwise, but understanding what is what? The will of the Lord is. So it simply means that when you and I don't know God's will for our life, we are going to live our lives like we are unwise. You know why? There is nothing your brain can cook up that can be better than what God wants for your life. Nothing. See, there are some of us that we are natural strategists. You are natural thinkers. 
you know how to plan your life, how to put things together. But even the best of your plans is inferior to God's plan for your life. And as a believer, one of the things you must be obsessed with is finding out what God's will is for you. Let me tell you this. You must understand what God's will is for you in every area of your life. As a single planning to get married, you must be so obsessed with finding out God's will when it comes to marriage. You say, ah, this is the kind of person I like. Fantastic. God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Right? Sometimes God moves through our desires. But let me tell you this. That woman you desire, that man you desire, you cannot, <laughs> it cannot be compared to if your desire matches with God's will for your life. It can't be compared. It can't be compared. Sometimes the reason why many of us are not passionate, right, uh, about finding out what God's will for our life is because we don't trust God. We don't trust him enough. We don't trust him enough that he's so concerned about our desires, that he's so concerned about our future. You see, many times when we desire things, we are thinking about how it will benefit us now. God is not just thinking about now. He's thinking about that decision, that desire, how it will also have a ripple effect on your future. Because there are no isolated decisions. Every one of us, where you are right now, if we trace it where you are, and you may not like it, but it is the truth, it's the fact. Where you are right now financially, where you are right now in your career, where you are academically, in whatever area, is as a result of a decision you made years ago. You may not remember that decision, but it's a decision you made that has brought you to where you are. It's a decision. It's a decision. And you see, when you are making defining moments decisions, you don't know. There's usually no thunder. There's usually no loud bang noise. That as you make the decision, say, bow. <laughs> this decision you just made now will affect your life in the next 10 years. You never know. You just think, I just made a normal decision. The decision of the school you went to determined the people you met. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? The people you met determined so many things. The decision to play truancy in school when you are supposed to be reading. The decision of the people you are associated with in class when you are supposed to be sitting in front. You decide to hang with the big boys at the back. <laughs> because you are not the one paying the bills. It's so unfortunate that even some people, even when they start paying the bills, when they send themselves to school for masters and professional courses, they still, that habit is already a lifestyle. They will still be sitting at the back. I don't understand. Some of us even bring the attitude to church. You get to church. It's the last seat you want to sit. Why? Are you a backbencher in life? How you do one thing is how you do everything. Except a seat is reserved or you go to a function where you know that certain seats are reserved. Anywhere you find yourself, position yourself closest to the stage. Because distractions are lesser the closer you are to where things are happening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be sure of what... Uh, be sure that what you want is God's will for you. Be sure. Be sure. You need to get to that point that when you want to make a decision, when you are desiring something, you know that this is what God wants for me. How do you know? Maturity. The more you mature in the things of the spirit, the more you grow as a believer. You see, when you begin to pursue things that are not God's desires for you, there's this discomfort to begin to feel. You will not be able to explain it, but you will know something is not right. And let me tell you this, the moment you begin to feel that uneasiness, Take a pause. 
Don't keep running. It's just like someone driving, driving on the highway. Right? And you begin to hear some funny sound in the car. And you are still moving faster. You may soon wreck. He said, no, 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 it does not matter. That sound does not matter. You can hear, as you are driving faster, the sound is getting louder. And sometimes that is how God deals with us. The more you are moving in that direction, the more uneasiness you begin to feel. And he said, no, 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 it does not matter. Let me tell you this. Over time, that uneasiness will stop. And that is where most people will now say, no, no. You see, I say it does not matter. But what happens is that God has left you to yourself. May that never happen to you. Because the Bible says the spirit will no longer strive with man. It's the devil that will keep hammering things on you. Do it, do it now, do it now. When God talks to you and you don't listen, he withdraws. He's a gentle spirit. That's why the Bible describes him as a dove. He won't struggle with you because he knows if you keep going on that road, no problem, you will still come back. Okay, your proverb says that it's in the house that the stew is waiting for the bomb bomb. <laughs> uh, you will still come back and sit on that stool. You will come back. So you need to be sure that what you want. You see, it's amazing hmm, that for many of us, I don't know lately, the Holy Spirit has just been impressing this thing on my heart. And I think it is very strategic, right? That many of us are no longer in touch with what we even want. Because of too many exposure. See, the farther you want to go in life, the more you must streamline what you are exposed to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must streamline your exposure. You must select what you are exposing yourself to. Exposure should not be accidental. It should be deliberate. Hey, people do it. <laughs> it should be deliberate. It should be deliberate. For instance, in my house, there are things you can never watch. Never. No matter who you are. No matter who you are. Whether you are my parents, you are whoever. There are things you can't watch in my house. Because things create atmosphere. And everybody knows. No matter who you are, you, you, can, you, can, you cannot just happen. Because I'm deliberate. Because once you are exposed, you cannot be unexposed. You cannot be. You cannot be. And once you're exposed to certain things, one day it will show up as a desire. It will show up as a desire. Praise the Lord. So the question is, do you know what God's will is for your life in this season? Do you know what his will is? Do you know what his will is? Do you know God's will? You see, maybe I should just give us practical steps. How to understand God's will. How to clarify God's will for us. How to clarify God's will. Number one, study and meditate on the scriptures consistently. Study and meditate on God's word consistently. You see, every time you open the Bible and you read it, you don't know something is happening to you, but something is happening to you. You don't know. You just think, you know, because see, God's word is God in print. It is God having a conversation with you. It is you having a conversation together. And what happens is that the more you hear from someone, over time you begin to, a part of them begins to rub off on you. Has it ever happened to you before that you meet someone and over time you begin to get close and you realize that one day, the slangs they were using, you started using it. Did you plan it? No, it just comes out of you. That is the same thing that happens when you spend time in God's word. There is no way to get closer to God than to spend time in his word. There is no other way. Or there is no greater way. There are other ways, but there is no greater way. Spend time in his word. Have the time every day that you read the word. 
Is it that you are reading it or hearing it, but the word must be entering you? I heard today from someone, you know, that there are there is a material, and I'm looking for it now. So if anybody knows about it, just please let me know. That all the words of Jesus in the Bible, that there is a audio Bible, that only the words of Jesus, the things he said. So wow, that's a powerful resource to have. All the words, imagine hearing something like that over and over, over and over. Number two, to clarify God's will for your life. Consistently engage in personal worship. Personal worship and intense fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Personal worship and intense fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Personal worship. You must have moments that you just sit down and you are just ministering to the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? you just sit down by yourself you say ah pastor I don't have a voice for music God understands all keys even if your key does not exist just sing <laughs> sing and worship him to the point where you know you have connected are you hearing what I'm saying you see if we ask people to start worshipping now some people under five, five minutes is too long it will seem like a punishment because they are not already used to doing it privately. And if pacing, walking, you know, toe and fro is your own way of worshiping, do that. But I find that distracting. So what I do is I sit. I close my eyes. Not because closing your eyes is a prerequisite to worshiping, but it helps your focus. And I just begin to sink. Sometimes when you start, you still feel dry. It's like you are trying to rev a car. Over time, it will pick. Like putting on an AC. It won't pick immediately. Ah, no problem. Just keep at it. It will get to a point. You will not, when you want to stop, you, you will not be able to stop yourself. Because you have entered the flow. When you do that consistently, that's why I told us on Sunday, I don't know if I mentioned it, but in case I did not, you see, there is a level of maturity you can have that praying about God, the Father, what's your will, what's your will? It will reduce because naturally you will just know his will because of proximity. You will just know. You may not be able to explain it, just like there are certain things that my wife just knows about me. There are things I just know about her. It's not like one day she sat me down and said, my husband, I don't like this. Or I said, my wife, I like this. I don't like this. Over time, she just got to know what I like and what I don't like. Over time, I know that if I want to make her happy, these are things I do. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the same way it works in your relationship with God. You see, worship is the only thing God cannot give himself. God can't worship himself. He can't thank himself. Uh, thank me. Have you seen that? anybody say that before? <laughs> so you are the only one that can worship him the bible says most people have I formed you know that they might show forth my praises number three to clarify God's will for your life have a consistent and structured prayer life uh, have a consistent and structured prayer life that's one of the goals recalibrate daily you know that's one of the goals we want to achieve. That's why as a church, we have prayer watches every day. And we've encouraged you a couple of times, make sure you join at least two. 
Some people say have not, if some people this month they have never joined. Why are you doing that to yourself? You see, you never know the day you will need these things. The problem with people in this part of the world is that it's when they need things, they start praying. So many people, the average Christian in our generation does not understand having a relationship with God. To them, God is an errand boy. Every prayer is about requests. No relationship. No relationship. And that's why you see people moving from error to error. Because every prayer is about killing demons. Every prayer is about placing a request. So they don't even know what God's will is for their life. In fact, they make decisions without involving God. No recourse to divine guidance. As long as everybody is doing it, what is it? Everybody is jackpying. I should jack I can't be looking at my life like this. Oh. Let me tell you this. In God's ordination, some people will relocate. In God's ordination, some people are supposed to be going and coming. The person that's supposed to be going and coming, when he now relocates, he traps his destiny. Because he's not supposed to be restricted to a place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you, you, but you will not know that. If you are not spending time in it, it's in the place of prayers you will just know. <laughs> There's someone that if I mention his name, you know, um, right now most of us will know the person I'm talking about, especially if you're a young person. You know, he said during the lockdown, shortly after the lockdown, him and the wife, they had the opportunity to relocate to Canada. As in everything was already, so the only thing left was them to buy the ticket and move. He said, but deep within him, he just knew that... That's not God's will for them. It was shortly after that the work erupted. If we had gone to Canada, that would have been the end. You know, many of us don't know the things we miss when we don't have any recourse to God's will. You may still be doing well, but in God's plan, you should have done better. You should have done better. Let me tell you this God's plan for your life is not comfort, it's fulfillment. Many of us, the moment we are comfortable, what is it? I have a car. I'm wearing nice clothes. Ah. I have a blue passport. What else does a man want? It's more than that. It's more than that. It's more than that. You also clarify what God's will is for you through fervent prayers in the spirit. That's why as a Christian, if you don't pray in tongues, you are shortchanging yourself. You are shortchanging yourself. Because that's the only time that when you pray, you bypass the realm of the intellect, you bypass the demonic realm. Nobody understands you except God. We talked about that in the month of April. Three types of tongues. The tongues of men, tongues of angels, right? An unknown tongue. So sometimes when you are praying in tongues, you may not even know, you may be speaking a human language that you have never learned. But most times, what is happening is you are communicating directly with God. Your spirit is communicating directly with God. The Bible calls him the father of all spirits. So you are communicating directly with him. You see, there there is an encoding and decoding taking place. And the more you do it, the more the will of God. You just know what you are supposed to do per time. You just know. You just know. When you are moving in the wrong direction, something pulls you back. That no, you are not supposed to be doing this. It's not that you hear, my son, my son. <laughs> you may not hear that. Sometimes it might come as a dream. Sometimes it might come as a deep impression. But you just know, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. 
And sometimes you know, no, no, I'm not supposed to be doing this. You just know. For instance, I think I've mentioned this before. I was in a relationship for four years. The families had been involved. To a fantastic person. You know. But the point, I just knew that no, this is not it. And it's not like we fought because we are good family friends. My friend to the husband, you know, fantastic family. She's married. I'm married. Fantastic family. I just knew that our equation, the two of us together will not work. I just knew. It was a matter of destiny and God's will. Not that she was fantastic Christian. Fantastic Christian. Worker in our church. Crazy giver. By just saying that, mm. the two of us knew. But we're waiting for who to say it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I just knew. I could not explain it. But I just knew. I just knew. So the day she brought it up, I said, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. You know. Please. Find out God's will. Don't go in the way of the world. There is nothing you can desire for your life that can be better than what God wants for your life. Nothing. Nothing. Number three. Be clear and specific about your desires. Be clear and specific about your desire. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll read verse 46 to 51. I want you to see something very instructive in the scripture. We're going to read it together. So I want everybody to look at the screen so that we won't be reading from different version and sounding like we're speaking in tongues. Praise God. Are we ready? All right, one to go. And they began, and sorry, and they came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold the peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, arise, he called thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will you that I shall do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Question, how can you be asking a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Because he was not specific in his request. When blind Bartimaeus shouted, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't say, Jesus, son of David, I want my eyes to open. Mercy is specific. It has to be specific. You see, many believers say, ah, Father, have mercy, have mercy. In what way? How does he show mercy? The mercy is too generic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus did not assume that ah, is a blind man. He wants to see. No, he didn't assume. Jesus still asks, what do you want me to do? Because he may be a blind man and what he wants is money. Because the Bible tells us about a guy, I think it's Acts chapter maybe 4 or 5, at the gate called Beautiful. Beautiful, the crippled guy. 
The Bible says that when he saw Peter and John coming into the temple, the Bible says he did not desire to walk. He desired to receive harms from them. So when blind Bartimaeus showed up, Jesus did not assume that a blind man was desire to see. He simply asked him, what do you want? Many of us will be asked, you know, what's your plan? Say, ah, I want to succeed. What is success to you? What is success? Ah, I just want to blow. Hey, this life, I want to blow. What does it mean? To, what is blowing to you? You have to be clear. You have to be specific in your desires. God only grants specific desires. Please note that God, even though he's all-knowing, he has given man the right of will. And man has the right to change his desires. So God never assumes what your desire is per time. He doesn't. He doesn't. In Psalms 31 and verse 10, it says, I am the Lord. Open your mouth wide and I will feel it. What does that mean? Make your desires known. Open your mouth. Not think your desires. God wants you to state it. So I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will do what? I will feel it. Open your mouth. Tell me what your desires are. What do you want? Make it clear. State it out. When you say, God, 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 help. <laughs> That's why you look at some of our prayer points. You can see that they are very detailed. Some are like paragraphs. Because in your prayer, you have to be clear. You look like look at someone like Anna. Let's go there. First Samuel chapter ten, sorry, chapter one, verse ten. First Samuel chapter one, and verse ten to eleven. The Bible was talking about Hannah, and he said she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept so. Verse eleven, and she vowed a vow and said, "O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your handmaiden and remember me and not forget your handmaiden, but will give unto your handmaiden a what? A man child. You can see she was specific. He didn't just say, God give me a child. He said, give me a man child." Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She was very specific in what she wanted. A man child. He just said, ah, God, give me a child. No, give me a man child. A man child. Look at Elijah. When Elijah was praying, he said, I, I, mean, I, I think, is it First Kings? Yeah, First Kings. The Bible says there's been famine in the land. When Elijah told um, um, Ahab, the king, he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He said, you need to be on the move now because what you have been expecting is about to be released so that the blessing will not hinder you. He said, be on the move. We know what Elijah did. He went to the top of the mountain and began to pray. What was he praying for? Rain. He was specific. At that point, he was not praying for ministry breakthrough. He was not praying for deliverance. He was not killing demons. He was not saying, no, 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 no. Was acting simply for rain. What you have shown me in my spirit, let it become a reality. Let it become a reality. That's why you say, let me tell you this one of the things that can help your Christian life, especially your prayer life, right, is for you to have things you are focused on every season, especially in the place of prayers. Many of us pray like machine gun, you pray in every direction. So when your prayers are answered, you can't even you don't even know the prayer has been answered. Because every season you have like 100 prayer points. So there is no intensity 
You are not staying on one thing, praying about that thing until it happens. The Bible says Elijah prayed the first time. He sent his servant, go check. Is there any sign to the answer? Right? Anything that indicates that what I'm praying for is about to happen. The servant went, said no sign. He sent him back the second time, no sign. The third time, no sign. Fourth time, he kept going back, praying the same thing. The Bible says the same thing about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that he went saying the same thing. Not praying about multiple things. It's the same thing. When you see his prayer in John chapter 17, what he was praying about was for the believers, those that are going to be saved, his disciples and everyone that's going to become a believer. Specificity. You look at someone like Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. When Jabez was praying, he wasn't just asking for something vague. You see, when we read that passage of scripture, many of us don't really get what was happening there. The Bible says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you will bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that your hand will be upon me, and that you will keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him what he requested. What was he praying for here? He says, enlarge my coast. Enlarge simply means you already have it. If you read some other translation, I don't know if you have another translation there, please let's see. I think you have the HCSB translation. What he was asking for was real estate. Landed properties. That's what he was asking for. He says, if only you will bless me, extend my border. Let your hand be upon me. Other translation calls it, give me more land. If you read it in the NLT version, if you read it in other translations, most translations says, give me more land. That's what it actually means. Give me more land. Jabez was asking for real estate. He was asking for landed properties. So when he said, God bless me, many of us are just saying, God bless me, bless me. Bless you with what? How will you even know when he has blessed you? You are not detailed. You are not specific. To get what you want, you have to be clear about what you want. You have to be clear about it. You have to be clear about it. Praise the Lord. You see, Nehemiah also, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 11, when Nehemiah was, you know, they had about the dilapidation of the walls of Jerusalem. So when he began to pray, you know, he had that impression that he was supposed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When he was praying, he asked for favor. He said, can you just put it as mercy? He says, I pray thee that this day you grant unto your servant mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cup bearer. Right? He wanted to go to the king to ask for permission to go build the walls that his forefathers destroyed. You know, you have just signed your death warrant to make that kind of request. So he had to pray for favor. That word mercy they actually means favor. And he eventually received that favor because Nehemiah did not only allow him to go, he gave him everything that he would need to rebuild the wall and gave him letters protecting him. He even gave him soldiers to accompany him on that journey. Are you detailed? Are you detailed? Prayers like God bless me. God, this year, do it for me. Do it. It's, it's not clear. That's why most times you look at the life of the average believer, there is no measurable progress. Because there are no measurable desires. Don't be generic. Be specific. Let your desires obey the law of specificity. In terms of numbers, dates, day, when, where, what. You can even be so detailed as names, models, amounts, places, sizes, grades industries be that clear 
and say, God, give me a car. What type of car? I had to you see, when, when I was not this mature in the Christian faith, I had a pastor many years ago. He was saying something. He was saying this humorously, but he said he meant it. He said, there's a particular kind of car he was trusting God for at that time. He said, if, if God blesses him with another car, he will know that that is not the car. That he will be grateful, but he will give it to himself because that is not what I'm trusting for. Talk about details. So, number four. Keep what you want clear and visible. Maybe I should say, make it clear and visible. Make what you want clear and visible. Make what you want clear and visible. You will never live where you currently are until you begin to see where you would rather be. I'm going to say that again. You will never live where you currently are until you begin to see where you would rather be. The reason why many people are not, you know, under any, should I use the word pressure, to live where they are, is because the picture of where they should be is not clear enough. It's not clear enough. That's why most people, the moment they become comfortable, their life just plateaus. Because there was no big picture in the first place. There was no big picture. If 200 million or more enters my account today, it won't change my work ethic. It won't reduce it by, in fact, it will only increase it. Because I'm saying bigger than that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Keep what you want clear. Keep it visible. Keep it visible. Keep it clear and keep it visible. Many of us, when we clarify what we want, you know what we do? We write it, we close it, and we forget where we have written it. It is like two years later. That is if you ever see the book again. But many of us even write it in paper. A future you write in paper is a future you don't desire enough. <laughs> see? If you value that future, you will get a proper book to write it in it. A proper book. Or a proper device. Apart from your phone. I have no problem with using smartphones. I believe in taking advantage of technology. But the matters of your destiny cannot be limited to a phone. It can't. Keep what you want clear and keep it visible. Because out of sight always leads to out of mind. Proverbs 29 and verse 18, the Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. What vision do you have for yourself, for your marriage, for your finances, for your career? Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, And the Lord answered me and said, Now, it is here and a prophet answered. Let's go there. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, what did God say? Write what? So God believes in writing. He didn't say remember the vision. So you see, the average African is lazy when it comes to documentation. 
Now, for those of us that are in business, let me tell you this. If you are not giving to documentation, you will soon enter trouble. Because over time, you will start mixing client's needs. <laughs> One will tell you, I want green. You will give the person that wants green, you will give the person yellow. And the person that wants red, you will give them indigo. You will just be mixing it. And the narrative says, ah, this is not what I asked for. <laughs> I remember something that happened during my mom's 70th birthday. The delivery person, you know, the clothes was is my sister, so I was going to Ibadan. She was supposed to do her pre, um, how does say pre-wedding, pre-birthday photo shoot, you know. So the delivery person sends the, you know, the clothes to my own house. So we took it to Ibadan. It was when we got to Ibadan, we all, ah, when they opened the clothes, <laughs> in my mind I said. I don't know much about natives, but when I saw it, I said, this can never be the, mo- the clothes my mom wants to wear for 78. With the amount I was told, because my sister went and said, no, 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 this cannot be it. Eventually, when we called, the clothes that was sent to me was the clothes of another client, and that person was traveling out of the country with that clothes. And that person's flight was that day. So we're now like, how can we get it? I said, you will come to me, but am I the one that will rush back to Lagos? It's not my business. How is that supposed to be my business? You are the one that was stupid enough not to document things. That's not my business. And sir, so what can you do for? I said, there is no matter of sir. I'm not that nice. I'm supposed to do what? I, I was asked. I said, okay, please tell me what am I supposed to do? I should be on my way back to you. I don't understand. Are you hearing yourself? And that was around. That was around. Was it 12 p.m.? And the person's flight was maybe 4 p.m. or 5 p.m leaving the country. Because things were not documented. And some of us say, you're already making that kind of mistake. Already make, Because you don't document. God, this is not a prophet that said it. This is God. He said, write the vision and make it plain. Any impression God puts in your spirit, value it enough to write it down. Value it that much. See, the reason why God has not entrusted many of us with things is because he knows when he reviews things to us, we don't write it. And if you don't write it, you can't remember it because you are not that intelligent. Nobody is that smart. Because your mind is not meant for storage. It's meant principally for creativity. You can't remember. There are people who come to church, they don't write anything. How do you remember everything? Even what I've taught now tonight, you can't remember everything when you get home. You cannot, no matter how smart you are. You can't. So you will now remember a whole series. And when you get home again, you will not download the message. Or rewatch it on YouTube. How? I hope I'm not offending anybody. But I'm offending you is to push you forward. Praise the Lord. Keep it clear and keep it visible. After you have written it, keep it in a place where you can see it. Keep your desires in a place where you can see it. In a place where you can consistently see it. You see, if possible, look at it daily. Morning, the first thing, right? After your devotion, after your prayers, and last thing before you sleep. You know what happens when you expose yourself to your desires consistently? Even when you are sleeping, your mind is working on how to make it happen. Sometimes you will wake up with ideas. You wake up with strategies. You just wake up and, oh, if I do this and do this and do this, this will happen. Because you consistently keep it before your face. And that's why in some circles, that's what they refer to as a vision board. 
There was a time that in this church, that was my emphasis for a while. And I'm not, I won't be surprised if some people in the houses, they still don't have a vision board. Because the fact that you hear something does not mean you will do it. Everybody in this house have a board. Huh? Where you seek things that look like your future and your destiny. Put it there. The more you see, you see, the reason why certain things have not been achieved in our lives is because for many of us, the things we desire, the gap is so wide. When you create a vision board and you consistently see your desires, over time, it begins to look normal to you. Things will not show up in your life until it becomes your normal. There are some of us, there are things that if you see happen for some people, maybe some of your friends or you, it just, you know, dawns on you for the first time that, and I can do this. There is this disconnect. There is this rejection in your mind. That, ah, it's not people like me that achieve. Ah, maybe, eh, maybe I'll be achieving maybe in the next 20 years. But the more you consistently expose yourself to it, it begins to look normal. It begins to look natural. You begin to live in the reality of those things even when it has not become physically real. So what happens over time is ideas begin to pop up in your mind. Ideas begin to pop up in your spirit that will make you to achieve those things. So you want to get anything in life and in the marketplace, the moment you become clear about it, get pictorial representations of those things and put it in a place where you can consistently see it. What that does is that it keeps you focused. It keeps you focused. It keeps you focused. When you document your desires, when you create a vision board, when you write things and you keep it consistently in a place you can see, number one, it will keep you focused. Because when you know what you are driving after, what you are going for, you see, you will not have time for so many things. You won't. You won't. For instance, I have a daily regimen. Things I must do every day. Every day. There are things I do for two hours every day, things I do for three hours, things I do for 30 minutes. It's the, I'm not expecting, even though I do it most days, I do those things most days, and it has become natural, I still don't depend on my brain to remind me. I still keep it there. When you write it, when you document your desires, and you put it in a place where you can see it. Number two, it prioritizes your goals. So when you're trying to achieve so many things and you have documented everything, over time you begin to realize this is the one that should be first. This is the one that should come next. This is the one that should come after. Number three, a vision board will help you, you know, have a sense of direction. That is, it will give you a sense of direction. You will not just be scattered going in every direction. You will be specific in the place where you're going to. Number four, it increases your expectation. It increases your expectation. It increases your expectation. When you have a vision board, it increases your expectation. Why? Because there is something you're expecting. Number five, it builds up your hope and your faith. So number one, it keeps you focused. Number two, it prioritizes your goals. Number three, it gives you a sense of direction. Number four, it increases your expectation. When you constantly see something, there is just this question that keeps popping up in your spirit. You know, when is this thing going to happen? You know, I can't wait for this thing to happen. That expectation is there. Unlike if you are not seeing anything. The moment I achieve something, I know the next thing that must be achieved. Because it's written. There is never any time in my life that I'm clueless about what to do next. 
And I'm wondering, so what, what should we now do now? What should, no, 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 never. I've lived that way before me. I never lived that way again till I die. You know, it's, it's not prayer. It's system and structure. It's not prayer. And in your own life, it will not happen by prayer. It will happen by documentation. As a family, you must have time. As someone engaged about to marry, write it down. What are we going to achieve this quarter? I've told you the secret to achieving phenomenal things every year. It's not to see every year as a year, but to see it as four years in one. Consider every quarter as one year. And the energy you will put in 365 days, put it in 90 days. So instead of just setting annual goals, set quarterly goals. What must happen between January and March? What must happen from April to June? What must happen from July to what? September. What must happen from October to what? December. What must happen? Not what should, but what must. Because it's either it happens or it happens. So I'm clear. The second half is about to be, you know, about to be over. I know what must happen in the third quarter. Why? Because I'm writing it. That's why as a church we came up with the calendar, the year calendar. Those things you see, when you see things, especially when you come to a church like this and you see things like that, apply it to your own normal life. They say, ah, so our church, we know everything we do to this. You know, in some places, it's as the spirit leads. So if the spirit does not, everything is as, as no, no order. No order. As some places, the service flows as the spirit leads. So the choir person, if the spirit is moving in, can move just with singing for two hours. You can't move like that. You know. Whatever must move you, must move you between stipulated time. When the time is over, the move has ended. Some of us know, you don't know what you're supposed to do in the remaining days of this year. When you see things like that, you look at ah, our church has calendar. What will happen till December 31st? He's already there. Go to your own life and create a calendar. The reason why you go for every party is because there is no order. There is no plan for your life. So anybody can just say, ah, one party day, one party day for Ikiti this weekend. You go show. Ah, oh, maybe we go now. Maybe we go. Now, now pink then go. You get pink now. It's like, ah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> you, you cannot just hijack myself. Go, go where? If I go somewhere, I've planned it. No matter who you have, it's not planned. I'm sorry. When you have a vision board, next it serves as a reminder of what you should be doing. You won't need somebody to... See, let me tell you this. It's so unfortunate that the older you grow, the lesser you have people to remind you of what you should be doing. Have you noticed? When you were younger, you had somebody to tell you, it's time to read if you don't want to fail your exam. Wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to brush your teeth. It's time to eat. The more you, the older you grow, there is nobody to be. You must create structures to remind yourself of things. An adulthood does not mean you will automatically remember. If adulthood may make you forget more because you have more responsibilities. So the things that you should be doing, you are not doing. But when you create a vision board, you put things, your desires in a place where you can see them. It serves as a reminder. Even when you miss some days, once your eyes see those things, it reminds you, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You just remember. And last but not the least, the vision board changes your conversations. 
it changes your conversation. How does that happen? When your desires are clearly stated, automatically you begin to have more conversation. It shows up in your conversations. How many of us that has happened to you before? You desire something so much that you just realize that that's all you talk about. Has it happened to you before? Ah, if it has not happened, it should be happening. Because it is, when it is so clear, you will not be able, you just realize that it's popping up in your conversations. It's popping up. And before you know it, you begin to have conversations more with the people that also want to achieve the same things. But when it's not clear, you forget. And once you forget, you can't achieve it. Once you forget, it doesn't show up in your conversation. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed tonight? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the seed of your word that's been sown in our hearts.